Blog Talk Radio. You're listening to The Catch with John Fisher on Blog Talk Radio, connecting life to faith. To get it together, trying to help their fellow man, hoping we can make it better. Do you really think we can? Well, that's that's what we're all about here at the catch. We're about seeking to make the world a better place. And uh, that's not just, you know, better for everybody, but um, better for some people who really uh, want to know God, to know the truth. Uh, They're looking for some answers. And uh, those are the people we like to talk to and we're reaching out to, especially in the marketplace. We love to talk about um, being Christians in the marketplace and what is that all about. And uh, embracing much of the world, uh, we really believe in that because we believe there's a lot of truth in, in the world and people who are unsaved uh, know a lot of truth. And, um, and and we can recognize and instead of trying to be so different and drive a wedge between us and the world mm-hmm. uh, Jesus so loved God so loved the world that he gave his son and um you know so we look for connections we look for where we can where we can reach people and love people and so right now we're doing a very interesting look into the New Testament. We're looking at just the red letters of the New Testament. Um, we're taking a cue from Tony Campolo and his red letter Christians. Um, and we are looking at those red letters as well. And we're going to be doing this for a few weeks. And, um, we like to incorporate that not only in the catches that I write every day that we hope you're getting, um, but also in our Tuesday night uh, blog talk radio show. So tonight is no exception. We, we want to talk about the red letters and uh, especially tonight we have a guest back. He's been with us two or three times. He's the most creative person I know. And I wanted to ask him this question because I knew because of his creativity he'd have some great answers and great discussion. But I would I want us to explore the question: um, What if the words and narratives of Jesus was all that we had of the New Testament? How would that change our perspective in, on things? What would be different? I just think that's a fascinating question, and I'd love to ask that of our guest tonight, Mr. McNair Wilson. He lets me call him Craig because I've known him long enough. Uh, Craig, welcome back to Blog Talk Radio. Thank you, John. Good to be with you as always. Yeah, John and, John yeah. and I have known each other since prehistoric times. 
<laughs> in fact, I think there That's were only seven sure. disciples when, when when we first met. I think there were only seven disciples. <laughs> Times uh, have changed. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. yeah. Well, as a great you've heard great, the question. Great, great theme, great topic. Yeah. Yeah, you and you've heard the question. Uh, you know, what if? That's an interesting thing to to play with in your mind. What what would what things kind of things might be different if if all we had was uh, the 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 gospels and you know the the narrative? We need the story, but the words, the real important part we had was just the words of Jesus. Um, have you any, got any thoughts along that line? Two thoughts immediately when you mentioned it earlier, when you when you um, called earlier today for me to be on tonight. Um, first of all, I think it would be a great relief, and I'll get to that in a second. And then my second reaction mm-hmm. is it would be more than enough. Uh, a, a man oh. who mentored oh. me over the, over the, over, oh. over the years in, in summer camp, uh, Jim Slevkov, who is still with us, and uh, he used to be at Forced Home for years, now has his own camp uh, that his daughter runs, um, Emerald Cove Retreat up in Bass Lake area. And, and Jim used to say, if you, could, if you could spend your life trying to implement 5% of what you know from Scripture, you'd be really busy. Mm. And that takes me mm. back to the, to the first, first thing, the first deal. It's interesting that we, we can't understand Jesus because he said complicated things like love your neighbor as much as you love yourself and love your enemy just the same way. And, and the problem with that is it's, it's just too simple to be true. So we've got to put, and I think it was my dad I first heard this from, and I think he said it wasn't his. My dad was not, was not a, a, a minister. He was, a, he was ordained. That's because he ran a Christian school. He was a school teacher and a wonderful Bible teacher. And he could take the most familiar story in the Bible and find something that you'd read right past for years to the bigger part mm. of the story. And he used to say, you know, we don't understand Jesus. We have to keep putting him through a Pauline meat grinder. In other words, you know, most of the New Testament mm. is Paul explaining stuff to to the you know all yeah. the Greek idiots that he that he hung around with, and and he and and if if we didn't have if we just had Jesus, then we, then we wouldn't be spending so much time listening to Paul make it even more complicated. And I don't think that was Paul's intention whatsoever. I think he really was honestly trying to, you know, as we say, rightly divide the word of truth. But what if we just had that love your neighbor as much as you love yourself. Well, one of the things I do, and John, you know, my one-man play, The Fifth Gospel, where I do the mm-hmm. life of Christ with an emphasis on the human side. And I say in there, I, I have Jesus say, love your neighbor as much as you love yourself, which means love yourself, otherwise your neighbor is in for a bad afternoon. But we don't teach <laughs> that part of that saying. It, is Jesus telling us to love right. ourselves? Yes, not not in a in 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 a an unhumble way because Jesus also talks about humility and the importance of it, but but uh, in a way that is self-respecting. Respect yourself. Take care of yourself. Honor who you are. Be that person. Um, and so, if you honor yourself and respect yourself, that's how you are to treat others respectfully. You know, uh, when I used to do a lot of youth speaking and speak to kids, I did a talk on 
on, on relationships and dating and all that stuff. And I, it was called Saturday Night at McDonald's and Other War Stories. And I'd say, guys, treat every girl you know as if it was your sister or your mom. Now, you don't want to kiss your sister and your mom. Well, then maybe you wait a while to kiss your girlfriend. Maybe you don't go right after it. Maybe there's other things, you know, that, that can be a part of your spending time with this girl. But, oh, oh, you know, how would you like her to, to you know, respect, have respect for her? How, do, how would you like the boyfriends of your sister to be treated? Well, that's what Jesus is telling us. Think how you want to be treated. Run out and treat everybody that way. A couple of years ago, I was invited by Colorado Christian University to write a, a Jesus play for Easter. And I said, I don't want to do just the Easter story. We did the whole thing. And I took a book that's um, it's called Matthew's Story. And what it is is Jerry Jenkins and Tim LaHaye are the guys that did the, um, the Left mm-hmm. Behind series. And they, they did a series of four books where they took each life of the four gospel writers and did it as a novel. And they researched the history of the time. And so I took the Matthew one. And so the great challenge of that, writing that play, and it was a cast of 66 people. It was a big production. We had, you know, a bunch wow. of sold, uh, every performance was sold out. But it was very human. And when we got done, and I handed it off to Jerry Jenkins, who happens, it just happens to be a friend. People say, you know John Fisher? You know Jerry Jenkins? I said, well, we, we got to be friends before any of us knew we were going to be anything. <laughs> we just got to be friends. <laughs> But I said to Jerry, I said, you know, it's kind of funny, but I didn't try to make it funny. It just is funny the way they interact. And it's like I tell other Christian writers, if you write a book and there's two people talking to each other and it's realistic, they'll be funny. And and pastors used to ask me at the end of this, how did you make Jesus so funny? I said, I just let him be real. And so I put that in the, mm. in, the in the story. Jesus said, love other people the way you love yourself. And don't forget to love yourself or your neighbor's in for a bad afternoon. Well, every performance had got a big laugh. And ministers would come up to me and say, how did you find the humor? And then they'd hold their hand up as if to stop me and say, I know it's there, but we don't let it be there. And so I think the power of a red-letter-only focus would make us, force us to really listen and say, what is he saying? What does he really say? Rather than just skim over it and say, okay, Jesus wants us to be nice to our neighbor. No, no, it's much more than that. And so if we isolated the words of Jesus, there's a reason they begin the New Testament. You know, that's, it, it's all based yeah. on that. And without that, there's no reason for the rest of it. Yeah, yeah. And it's, and it, but, but Craig, it, it starts with some of the hardest words that he said um, yep. that people I, are still trying to figure out. We don't get it. You know, Blessed are the poor in spirit and those who mourn and those who hunger and thirst after righteousness and the meek and the humble and oh my gosh, you know, how come Jesus is saying, we don't, we don't hear sermons on this stuff. No, no, or the barren fig tree, where, where the landowner says to the to the to the foreman of the of the of the orchard, cut down that barren fig tree, and 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 the and the or, or, you know the orchard master says, no, no, let me let me give it a little more water, a little more care, a little more cow doo doo. Maybe we can bring this tree back. You know, we've all we've all struggled trying to bring a house plant back from from near death, mm-hmm. and some are successful at it, and yeah. some some are not. Some are not. 
but 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 I think you know when all of those beatitudes, and that was one of the great challenges in that play that I wrote, was how do you get Jesus living right there in front of people, saying the beatitudes, so it doesn't sound like him reciting scripture. What did he say? What right. was it? And 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 what I went back to was the scripture verse where he talks about you. You've got to be. Oh, I just I was just thinking of while you were talking. He said, "Oh, the first will be last. The greatest will be the least. Uh-huh. The least will be the greatest. The uh-huh. first will be the last." What what Jesus was saying, it doesn't matter. Position doesn't matter. Those things don't matter. What matters is who you hmm. are. And what, what he says, "Let your light so shine that we will see your good deeds." You know, I I just love it when Christians say, "Well, my attitude was right," and I said, "You know what? Nobody cares about your attitudes. They care about how you treat them." You know, uh, there's a that that whole thing of uh, well, he had you know his intentions are right. It doesn't matter if the outcome was not the best. You know, if you if you if there's that yeah. great line in, in in the movie Mr. Holland's Opus where they're going to be cutting money and he goes before the school board and one of the as the music teacher and one of the school board members is a former student and the guy says Mr. Holland, you always told us to do your best and Mr. Holland says well right now your best isn't good enough. And we're we're not prepared sometimes to think that maybe within the love of God, there's discipline. Maybe there are standards. And maybe the standard for God is, how did you treat people? As much as you've done it to the least of these. Not as much as you felt to the least of these. Not as much as you thought about to the least of these. As much as you've done. What did you do? Hmm. You know, and what oh. Jesus did was he went around and he did stuff. He talked a lot. But what did he talk about? He talked to farmers about seeds. He talked to Pharisees about money. <laughs> Not much has changed. Talked to fishermen about fishing. <laughs> he talked talk to people about their lives. And he used fishing with fishermen to talk about metaphors. Mm-hmm. Yeah. You know, to, to talk about what, use metaphors to talk about, you know, what their lives were up to. And mostly he was trying to get people to do good stuff because of their faith in him, because of their faith in God. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Craig, you said earlier um, that, uh, uh, you know, if, if if the words of Jesus were all we had, you said it would be a great relief. Could you go into that? A, a little bit more well, for us. What did you mean by that? Yeah, I, I, I think by having all the other stuff, it allows us to skim past the words of Jesus and jump over to all the other mm. conversation in the New Testament. Now, I think that stuff is valuable. <laughs> but it's like I was in an online chat room today about a book I'm reading called The Practical Bible. Um, and it's the book, he's taken the book of Exodus. He's a, he's a Jewish commentator, Dennis Prager, radio announcer, and he's doing all five books of the of the of the Torah, the the, the books of the law, the five first five books of the Bible. And he's beginning with Exodus because that's the Ten Commandments. And and somebody said, well, you know, some Christian on the chat room about this book was saying, well, you know, it's we're Christians and we embrace, we have the New Testament. And I said, no, 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 we have the whole Bible. In fact, a lot of Jesus' teaching was quoting the prophets, quoting the law, mm-hmm. quoting the Old Testament. You, you know, if you took the red letters, yeah. they took out of the red letters 
comments on the Old Testament. Mm. Now it's now you really got a short list of stuff to to listen to, <laughs> and and so the relief the the relief about only having Jesus is that it would force us to not get involved in some of the what I call extraneous or extraterrestrial conversations where we nitpick. Well, what did he say that or yeah. did he say this? You know, it's like when, when, mm-hmm. when people start talking about murder and capital punishment and all that, and they want to go to Ten Commandments, so it says, it says, thou shalt not kill. Well, actually, it says, thou shalt do no murder. Kill and murder are very different things. And so that, that's something we can solve right away. That's that we can take care of. Hmm. But but some of this other stuff of Jesus, and I think what you have to do is not just take any one set of words or any any one verse, and that's a problem too, is that we've divided up into into numbered verses. And some of that was just for easy reference to find it, not to set it apart and say, well, it says this, not that. Well, there is this, but there's also that over there. So we have to compare them. You know, somebody there. There are certain things that that the different denominations they believe because they've got a verse about it. Well, if there's only one verse about whatever it is, that may not be God's primary focus. Let's look at the things that He says over and over, and there are things that Jesus says over and over. There are things that Jesus does over and over. You know. Mm. So I think I think the relief of yeah. having only the words of Jesus would be. If there's going to be arguing, scripture against scripture, if all we had was the words yeah. of Jesus to compare with the words of Jesus, that would keep it in a that would make the arena, that would make the conversation, that would make the library, that would make all those things smaller. Yeah. You know what I you know what I thought of, uh, Craig, when I was when I was playing with this in my mind, I, I thought of we probably never would have had Bill Gothard's basic use conflicts. If yeah. if we only had the words of Jesus, because and, and what I realized is that the, the the rest of the scriptures, not I mean, we're not discount them. That's that they're they're important, but they lead us in a certain direction in our thinking, and and it's from some of those scriptures you can get the idea that the scriptures is a manual for life. You can answer every question here and get your notebook out and figure out your life based on what the Word of God says. And yet, the more I spend time with the Word of God, the more I realize that is not what the Word of God is for. It's not to be a manual for living. It's it's to lead us to... uh, uh, an understanding of God, uh, understanding of our own need. It's it's to bring us in in touch with Him, and and you know, and I think that's what Jesus does, for sure. You know, you yes. can't, you you yeah. I don't think you can use Jesus as a basis for um, you know whether uh, how our dating life should go necessarily. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, one of the people in this chat room today who's obviously not a believer said, well, all we need is physics and math. And I said, yeah, what does physics tell you about stealing? What does physics tell you about lying? What does physics tell you about adultery? What does physics tell you about coveting your neighbor's stuff and your neighbor's spouse? What is Nothing, nothing. Physics, science doesn't tell me how to behave. doesn't take a stand on those issues. So without, without some set of principles, and for me, for you, for 
Christians, for a lot of other believers, Jewish believers, they, they have a, a book, a field guide, a manual that says, here's what we believe. And when you're feeling otherwise, you have to go back to the manual that says, okay, you're feeling this, but that's not what you're supposed to do. And, and so I said to this guy, I said, if all you've got is physics, you haven't got nothing. You've got physics. And I said, but at the same time, I don't go to the Bible for answers to, to physics. It doesn't deny them. But I said, what about raising your kids? There's no mathematical equation for raising your kids. You know, uh, the, new, the new book I'm working on, on personal, personal creativity, and I talk about, you know, there's no formulas. And I, I rail a little bit against one-size-fits-all uh, education. And I say, you know, you know I, I happen to have some friends who their first child was triplets. And if you ask them, they'll say, you know, anybody who says that all children are alike, all they got to do is spend a day with my three kids. And huh. they're different. They're different. Um, and they're, they're identical yeah. triplets. I mean, they look alike to, the, to a lot of people who don't otherwise know those, the three girls. But as they got older, they, you know, they've, you could just tell that, you know, you call three of them to dinner, and the way they approach the table and sit down is different. Um, but it's mm. but science isn't going to do it for us. And so there's got to be yeah. there's got to be some port, sort of, port, sort of prescription. And without that prescription, without that you know book of that set of beliefs, whether or not you and I kill each other or park on each other's front lawn is really just a matter of a, an agreement that you and I make. And that's why we keep passing millions and billions of laws, because we can't agree on those things, and because politicians need something to do. Here's a really big question, Craig, and maybe it's too big to ask, but if we're taking just the words of Jesus, um, what can we say what Jesus was most concerned about? Is that something we could we could answer or at least come up with a few things? Yeah. Um, again, again, back to Matthew. Love, love God with your heart. That means mm-hmm. everything that you feel with your soul, who the deepest part of who you really are. Your mind. What 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 is your what are you thinking about? What are you doing with your head? What are you doing with your life? You know, your mind governs what you do today. And But he goes on to say, the second commandment is very much like it. Love your neighbor as much as yourself. And then he says, all of the law and all the prophets hang on those two things, those two commandments. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So if that's all you have, if you, if you not only, only had the red letters of Jesus, but only had those red letters, those three or four verses in, in the end of Matthew. <laughs> boy, that's, that's yeah. a lot. That's that. That would be a, be a lot. Love, love God with everything you are and everything you do. And love your neighbor as much as you love yourself, which again gets back to, as I inserted, love yourself, take care of yourself, respect yourself, your, your yeah. creation of God, love that part of creation. Now, there's the law and the prophets. What's next? So what he's telling us is that the Old Testament, the law, the first five books, and the prophets, a whole bunch of books, you know, clunk there after after Psalms before we get to Matthew. There's the prophets. That's what if that's what they were talking mm-hmm. about, and that's what I'm talking about. There's a lot of scripture. There's a lot of there's mm-hmm. there's what Jesus is up to. Yeah, yeah. What what did Jesus dislike? 
What well, made him upset? Uh, apparently, he liked abuse of the father. Um, when they turned the, you know, when they turned the outer, whatever it was, courtyard into a, a merchandise den. Uh, and and that kind of became a focus at the temple. Apparently, he didn't like that. Um, apparently, he he didn't like it when the disciples fought and argued with each other about trivial stuff. Um, oh yeah, you know. And I and 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 boy, we do that a lot. Um, yeah. And and he was always stopping to help the smallest person, the littlest person, the weakest person, and. You know, it's like when the disciples went into town to get groceries and they came back and he was talking to a woman out of the town well. And they said, boy, you shouldn't be with her. Mm-hmm. And he know he needed to be with her because she she had been spending her life trying to find love. And she'd been doing it by having a series of husbands and a current guy who wasn't yet her next, her fourth or fifth husband. And he says, I've got an yeah. idea. Let me give you some water that you'll never be thirsty again. They went for groceries, and he was passing out eternal water. And uh, you know, I I I think I think Jesus didn't like it when we didn't pay attention to. They said, you know, he said, "Love your neighbor." They said, "Who's my neighbor?" And he told the story of the Good Samaritan. And it's it's the person you pass on the road. It's the person who's the closest person that could use your help. Who's the closest person that could use the kind of help that you can give? And the kind of help may not be a ride to church, just may be what do they need? How can you do that? Mm. Uh, I was watching a, a little, there's wow. a new little TV sh- show on Facebook now called Returning the Favor with Mike Rowe, the dirty jobs guy. And people writing and telling them about these, these do-gooders in their, in their area who are doing things. And there's this woman, she's 21, and she was in the, in the laundromat one time, and she kept seeing these home... Oh, she, no, she was working in a, in a thrift shop, and this woman would come in once a week and buy a new outfit and then throw the old outfit away. And they said, what's, what's the deal? And, well, it turns out for this lady it was cheaper for her to buy a new outfit than to do laundry at the laundromat. So she started this deal at her town where every Wednesday night homeless people come and she does their laundry. She pays for their laundry. And so this, this team of people that, do, 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 you know, returns a favor, they came in. And she had told them about this company in Australia that does this, and they put together these vans that have washers and dryers, and they drive to where the people are. And without telling her, they built her mm. one of these and gave it to her. You know, and wow. saying she's doing laundry. Wow. She's doing laundry because that's what the people needed. But, yeah. but from that, yeah. other things have come come up. She's been given clothing so then they can give it to to you know homeless families mm-hmm. who who are struggling and, and their kids will have better clothes and you know just it so I think Jesus in the Good Samaritan is saying don't yeah. go by that person help them it's like when people say well don't give money to people who want handouts so just use it on beer and I said well you know maybe they will but maybe today yeah. in Colorado Springs where it's cold uh-huh. maybe a beer is exactly what they need. I'll, yeah. I'll, I'll, yeah. I, I won't. I won't give. I won't give every guy who's got his hand out money, but I do it to, for some. And then others, when I can, and I'm coming out of some place that I've eaten and I've got some leftovers, I'll hand them my leftovers. That's good enough for me to take home mm-hmm. and eat later. Why isn't good enough for them to have now? Yeah, yeah. That's so cool. I think Jesus is saying, "What if 
you know, you're here to serve. Be the servant. What and and who do you serve? You know, you, you, for people that are listening, you call me Craig. Craig is my legal first name. Craig McNair Wilson. McNair was my grandfather. Clarence McNair Wilson. And I found out in 1995 that McNair means son of the servant. So I said, I'm using it. I'm using mm. it. And it's a it's a way in my public <laughs> speaking because. Only half of my public speaking is to nonprofit and faith-based groups. The other is to lawyers and accountants and, you know, people that build theme parks yeah. and make movies and you name it. And it's always a chance to explain. And people say, what's the deal with the name? And the guy who introduced you used the name Craig. I says, well, whether you call me Craig or McNair, it's how I carbon date my friends. So if you know me before 95, <laughs> and I never correct people because I don't dislike the Craig, but I, I like the McNair because it gives me a chance to remind myself and to tell others, yeah, there needs to be some service. Yeah. If you know, if our life isn't about service, what's it about? Wow, yeah. And it's wow. in the red. And what it's about is in the red letters. <laughs> oh boy, life, um, life more abundantly. <laughs> it's like God says, I notice you're getting low on yeah. abundance. Here's some more. <laughs> Wow. How do you think we can uh, get closer to this? Uh, you know, how, how do you think we can make the most uh, of the red letters um, other than just study them? And uh, I don't know, what what would you suggest we do since we've got a few weeks here that we're going to spend thinking about I would about say... It? Take the first set of red letters that comes to your mind, whatever that is. What's your favorite something that Jesus said? And say, yeah. this week or this month is going to be focused on that in my life. I'm going to focus on that. Uh, in my, in my, in my last book on brainstorm, brainstorming, I did a chapter on doodling. And I said to people, people said, I can't do that. I said, if you would sit down 30, 15 to 30 minutes a day and just do these exercises that are in my book, in a month you will be scary good at doodling. In fact, people will not call it doodling anymore. They'll say, I didn't know you could draw. Well, in the new book, uh, I make the case for carry, carrying a sketchbook with you every place you go. And a sketchbook is a blank book, meaning no lines, no grid, just blank pages. To keep notes about this, uh-huh. or write, jot down things about that. And as I say in the front of all 150 of my sketchbooks that exist, anything worth remembering is worth writing down. You get a great idea, it won't last so you get home and open the garage door to write it down. Stop and write it down now or send yourself a voicemail, something, write it down. So what I say to people in the book is, uh, or in my workshops, I give everybody blank paper, like photocopy paper, and little felt pen, little colored felt pens to take notes with. No iPads, no laptops, put them away. And I do this with every level of professional group I'm with. I'm just with 150 mm. Salvation Army officers in New Jersey. And people come up and bring this. This is amazing. I never do this. I never do this. I said, well... You know, when you're done here today, you can go back to all that other stuff that doesn't. That's that's literally not as effective. But you know, and and, I, and so I just say to people, just do the exercise. Just just do it for a while. Just take one thing and improve it. When I had my street theater company, if a director would come to me and say, I got a performer who's always doing this and always doing that and always and always, I said, okay, let's take one of those and performer and say, we're gonna we're gonna make a change on this one little behavior you have because a habit. Good mm. or bad, there are good habits, is merely mm. a repeated action. 
So let's learn the good way to do it and then do it that way again and then do it that way again. And if you keep repeating the good version of it, it becomes the better version of it than the best version. It's, it's like that old saying, practice makes perfect. No, 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 no. The proper practice makes perfect. Because if you're practicing the wrong behavior, you're not doing anything but getting worse. So I think with the red letter thing, take one verse and try for a week. Stick it on the mirror, stick it on the dashboard, stick it everywhere and say, how can I implement that today? And don't tell people you're implementing it. Don't quote it to people necessarily. Just some find some way to, to make it a part of, of, the, of the way you, you behave. And if in a week it's kind of there, then the next week add another one. Keep doing the first one, mm. but add the second one. Cool. And, it, you know, it's like my friend Jim oh, said, if you just did 5%, if you did that once a month, a year from now, you would have as a regular habit 12 of the teachings of Jesus. Hmm. Can, any, can any of us yeah. point to 12 of the teachings of Jesus that we do on a regular basis? I can't. Yeah. Now, maybe no. my friends would say, well, you do this and this and this. I say, okay. Because sometimes, sometimes the things we're best at, we're, we're just, we don't realize we just because we do it effortlessly and it's just become a part of us. But I'm saying take, make the effort to consciously try to do that, whatever that is. That's cool. Wonderful. Wonderful. Red, red well, letter Craig, red, red letter living, red letter life. Yeah. yeah. Thank you yeah. so much. Um, Oh, thank you, John. We, we just kind of got a little toe, got a little toe in the water, I think. But um, this was wonderful. And uh, one one final comment on more than enough. I that one moved me when you said that. Uh, if we had just the words of Jesus, it would be more than enough. Yeah. Just, just I mean, how many? Finish, how finish many? us off with that thought. How many times have we in church or on the radio or in a song that a friend of ours wrote? I mean, just just listening to your opening song, I'm, I'm saying, how many times have I heard that song and I'm still getting stuff out of it? Like, how old was that piano? But uh, the, that, that, that something new comes to you, that's how deep scripture, scripture is, more than enough, meaning there's lots there. There's more than we can imagine there, more than we'll ever know. You know, how, if, you, if, you, if you built a library and only put in it books of, that were about Scripture, that'd be a very expensive library to build because it would be huge. And so more than enough is, you know, when we're challenging people to take one of the verses, one of the teachings of Jesus and implement it for a week or a month for all of us, at the end of that week or the end of that month, say, I, I might need another week on this one. It's more than enough. Wow. More than enough to get us through, more than Craig. enough to sustain. Yeah. Greg, thank you so much. Thank you, John. It's always great. And uh I I really appreciate your thoughts and you got us you got us on a good on a good uh track here. So thank you so much. God bless. You bet. Say hi to the Pacific okay. to the Pacific Ocean for me. Okay. <laughs> Bye, <man. Yeah>. <laughs> I will. Bye-bye. Bye-bye. Well, there you Bye-bye. go, folks. Some wonderful stuff there to chew on. And, uh, in fact, I'm going to pick up some of that, and I'll be writing about it in the next few days. So uh, um, remember, 
remember, folks, remember uh, one thing, one thing for a week, and uh, see what you can what you can put into your life if you do that. This is cool. God bless you all. Thank you for listening. Thank you for coming back. Come back next week. Meanwhile, stay in those red letters. Find out what Jesus is saying to you.